today's message. Man, I am really excited that I get to be a part of this series, man. This has been cool. Has anyone else that really enjoyed this series right now, that this is still our year, right? Man, it's been really cool. I don't know if this is your first time ever hanging out with us, or perhaps like you, you're, you need to catch up on the uh, podcast of where we've been so far, but it has been a phenomenal series. Um, it has just been everything that we needed to hear after what has been what has been a really eye-opening year for us in the year of 2020, right? So in week one, pastor took the time to uh, teach on the fact uh, that we have to invest the things that God gives us throughout this year. And I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but it's been quite challenging really to um, have to think about, man, what do we do about work when we're working from home? And what do we do about school with our kids, right? And I feel like I have all these dreams and aspirations that God's given me, but what do I do with those things? And pastor said that we can still invest those things and make a difference for God's kingdom, right? And in week two, did you guys see Pastor Brandon up here getting all buff, lifting weights in week two? He had that, was it a 20-pound weight or was it a 50-pound weight? It was a 50. We're going to go with 50, right? But he said that uh, sometimes we have, to, uh, we have to do something different if we actually want to see something different in our lives. And, man, every week you can't come to this church and you can't, hear, uh, you can't leave without hearing somebody say, man, let's go change the world. But how many of you know sometimes that starts with changing ourselves, right? And we're never going to experience anything different sometimes if we don't do anything different. And week three, Pastor had a backpack and a tent up here, and he taught us that, Man, that we really need to pay attention to what God wants for our lives. And when he asks us to, to make shifts in our lives, we've got to be very uh, intentional about doing those things. And we have to move with God, but then sometimes we have to stay with God, too. And he tells us that we need to sit in a season of rest, right? And last week, you know, I'm a little partial, Pastor. Last week was my absolute favorite, right, about living inside the box. And the entire idea, the entire idea of last week was that God gives us framework for our lives, right? He's got a, a will for our life, but in fact, that sometimes we kind of creep outside of that will, and that's where we get in trouble, and I think we're actually going to talk a little bit about that today as well, but man, I'm excited uh, to be bringing this message to you guys today, so I'm going to go ahead and show my cards a little bit. Today is all about the idea of separation versus restoration, right? So how many people in here over the year 2020, and I call it an eye-opening year for this reason, because I don't necessarily think that everything has been bad, and I don't necessarily think that um, we've got it all figured out yet, but it's definitely made us think, right? Yeah. So I know a lot of you right now are like, man, I'm working from home. I wasn't doing that at the beginning of the year. Um, as a church, we experience a, a moment where we say, hey, we need to err on the side of caution and not gather as a family, right? And I think there's a lot of folks that, man, they were used to going to soccer practice with their kids, there were just so many things that you enjoyed that was a part of your normal year that now we're separated from. Does anybody agree with that today? Yeah. And I think our Bible has a lot to say that Jesus truly wants to redeem and restore everything, and this can truly still be our year. Does anybody here believe that 2020 will still be your year? Come on, somebody. Man, so I'm really excited to preach this extension. So if you could, please turn in your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 1 through 9, and I think this is going to really be able to help us, and it's coming up on the screen behind me shortly. But John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9 say this. It says, After these things, 
there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, was a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the waters to move. For an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season into the pool, stirred up the water, and whoever then uh, first entered the water was made well from whatever disease that which where they were afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition, and he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one here to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps in before me, and Jesus said to him, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his mat and began to walk. I'm just going to pray really quick that we can receive this in our hearts. God, thank you for what you're doing in the building today. We want to receive your word. We believe that um, you did something very special for somebody at one point in time in history, but that message transcends time, and you mean it for us today, and it's in your word. In your name I pray. But uh, you guys know I love... Being a Bible nerd is one of my favorite things about my life. So would you nerd out with me for a minute, and let's go on a journey of maybe what got us to this point in the Bible. See, John's gospel is a little bit different than all the others that you have in your Bible. Um, There's some things really unique to it. He uses certain words a lot uh, more than others. And in this particular story, he's telling us about a miracle that Jesus did, and there's actually seven of those in John's gospel. This happens to be the third, right? So the first miracle that we see in John's gospel is uh, what they call the wedding at Cana, right, where Jesus turns water into wine. And a lot of times we don't always, you know, we don't always talk about that or read that much because there's kind of a little bit of, kind of a weird stigma and cloud, like in church, right, of like thinking anything about Jesus having anything to do with wine. But we got to remember that John really wants to let us know that Jesus is God, and he's God of the Jews, but he's also God of the Gentiles, right? So Jesus is at a Jewish wedding, which the party lasts like a week, right? They're, they're super crazy. And Jesus, uh, th- Jesus learns from his mom, right, that, that they ran out of wine, so the party's kind of stopped. And Jesus says, well, my time hasn't come yet, right? And so he's thinking in his head, in Isaiah, it says that the kingdom of God is going to be like this great wedding feast, right? So Jesus takes a moment, and he proves he's the ultimate authority on inaugurating the water at the uh, wedding feast, and he turns water into wine, like a hundred jars of water into wine, right? The thing that, I think this is really cool, the thing that was used to ritually purify people, now Jesus has turned into wine. The thing, the thing at the last meal he has, he says, is like his blood. So he's proven not only the authority of inaugurating the ultimate party, the ultimate wedding feast, but he himself has the power to do things that only God can do, like redeem sin. And the second miracle we see is called the healing of the centurion's son or the official son. And this matters a lot to us because we're kind of like that guy too. So Jesus is, is traveling, and he sees this guy uh, who's an official in the Roman government. And he says, hey, I heard that you are, um, there's something special about you. My son is sick. And I believe that if you just say that he's well, that he will actually become well. The kid's like 20 miles from Jesus at this point, right? Jesus says it, it happens. And this is the first time somebody who isn't a Jew 
has faith in Jesus. Like this, that's just like us today. So we come to the third installment of the signs and wonders of Jesus, and it is at the pool of Bethesda. So imagine this, right? There's a, there's a pool of water, and there are five patios around this thing, and there are sick people everywhere around this. And I really wanted to preach this to you today because I think that as we dig deep into this message, we're going to find that the man in our story is deeply separated from the life that God intends from him, right? Both in a physical sense and, in, and even in a, uh, a metaphorical sense as well. And Jesus shows up to redeem and rescue everything that's lost. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but like I said, this year has been really crazy. I think that we've experienced some separations in our year, right? We've separated from our rhythms. We've been separated from the way we do church, from our job. But what's even scarier is we're almost separated at a macro level too, right? We've had to make decisions on, man, how do I respond to social injustice? How do I respond to an upcoming election, right? And those things have divided us, and I don't believe that's the life that God truly intends for us. So I think today's message is going to be for somebody who's experienced some horrible symptom of separation. So let's talk about separation for just a moment, because I want to show you what happens whenever we experience separation in our lives, right? The first thing is this. Separation creates stories, right? And I can prove that to you, and my wife is in the front row, and she may laugh at this, right? So if I text Ashley something, and she doesn't text me back immediately. What's the first thing I'm thinking? Oh my gosh, she's mad at me, right? What did I forget? To, did I forget to vacuum? Did I not take chicken out the freezer? Like what happened, right? And it could be nothing to do with that at all. She could be busy in her day. She could be busy with Hannah like she is on the front row right now. And it has nothing to do with that. Because sometimes separation actually makes us create stories up. We have a lot of separation. We start to make up our own narratives, right? hey, I haven't heard from somebody for so long, so they must not like me anymore. Well, you know, the phone goes like both ways, right? You know? Or, hey, I haven't, um, I didn't hear from so-and-so, or I didn't hear from my church. And it's like, well, man, we've been here for you. We've put a care portal in place because we want to care for you. We want, we want you to live the life that God intends for you. And we can get in this trap that we make these false narratives and that we fill in the gap when there's separation in the story, right? And this is kind of interesting. I don't know what version of your Bible you have on your Bible app, um, but some versions don't even have verse 3 and 4 that we just read. And it's kind of thought that, like, it was on some of the early copies of John and it wasn't on some of the others, so there's a little bit of mystery as to, you know, do we include it or not? But the fact of the matter is it doesn't change what God's willing to do. See, verses 3 and 4 say that at a certain time, God would send the angel of the Lord to stir the waters, and whoever got in that pool was made well. See, we have to learn that before Jesus that God moved in waves, right? He did certain things at certain times to prove who he was, right? And see, I think we could almost get lulled into one of the same things today, and we're, we're going to get to the other side of that, so I don't want to spoil it right now. But that's a tradition. And I think that a lot of us are lulled into traditions today, too. We have experienced things this year that we realize that going to work 8 to 5 and sitting at a desk is a tradition. And I'm not good at my job if I cannot sit at my desk. That's a tradition. I can't 
learn more about God. I cannot grow my faith if I cannot walk through the door of my church. That's a tradition, right? Those are traditions. Those are things that we're waiting for certain things to happen in certain periods of time. And that's not what Jesus has to say about that today. And we're going to get to that in a minute. One of the other things that I've realized that separation tends to cause is, I mean, let's, this is a real thing. Anxiety, right? Separation anxiety is a real thing. It is a physiological response to being away from someone or something you love. And there's actually like bodily symptoms that we experience. We experience nausea. We experience headaches. We experience trauma. We experience panic attacks at the worst from separation anxiety. It's a real thing. And I want to let you know that, man, this is a crisis that we have to think about today even. I was on the uh, phone with a pastor friend of mine, and I was asking him, like, hey, man, what are you guys doing right now as you're getting ready to regather? You know, I was like, give me some hints on what we need to do. And uh, he said, uh, he said, man, we're talking to some doctors right now. I said, doctors? I said, what are y'all talking to doctors for? He said, man, we're on the edge of one of the largest mental health crises that we've had in our nation. Yeah. We got to figure out how to care for people. Yeah. You know, I looked at some research today, and it said, that church members, you guys who are sitting in this room right now, are at an all-time high from struggling from relational anxiety. Us, guys, at an all-time high. We call it up to the world. And we believe in Jesus. So separation has a really, it'll take a toll on us physically, but separation is isolation too, right? You're like, duh, we knew that already. But no, think about it. I want to show you something in the scripture that I think is, is kind of dangerous, right? It says that, that the man was laying around a multitude of people. Come on. Get that. Let's go. But when Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? He said there was no one to put him in the pool. Yeah. Come on, Travis. You might be in a room full of people. You might have a thousand followers. You might have a lot of friends, but you might not have anybody that is willing to put you in a pool. And you need to think about that today. Because some of us, we're in a bunch of crowded rooms, but there's no one who deeply cares enough about us to see our tomorrow better than our today. So the man, wasn't, he, he wasn't alone, but he didn't have a single person to help him. Sin is also, I mean, excuse me, separation is also likened to to sin, too. And I want to take a minute to unpack this because I think this is going to really help somebody today, too. See, in our Bibles, in our New Testament, there's a word for sin. It's hamartia, right? And we're in a school that is known for its archery, so it would be very proud of this moment. But uh, that word is defined as when an archer fires an arrow at a target and he misses it. And it's defined as the space in between them, right? So think of what I'm about to say here. Sin is very, very similar to separation, right? So Pastor taught last week, like I said, my favorite message so far. Great job. That God gives us parameters, right? That he wants us to live our life in. He wants us to have this box that is this perfect will for us, and we get, we get freedom inside that. But outside of those, man, there's some, there's some rough things outside the boundaries that he really doesn't want for our life, right? So if sin is like separation, that doesn't mean that there's a lack of a target. Yeah. That's the box, right? Yeah. 
And it doesn't mean that there's a lack of trying, because we've got to fire an arrow at some point. Sin is the gap from the box and outside of it, right? So I don't think it's anything wrong for us to want things like intimate relationships with someone else in our life. But man, when we shoot and we land on the porn site, there's separation there. I don't think there's anything wrong for wanting to have success, but screwing over everybody else at your work to climb the corporate ladder, that, that arrow lands outside the box. Sin is like separation too, and we have to be very careful Man, whenever we're aiming for the box, like, where is this arrow landing outside of it? Sin is like separation, but the good thing is, is there's a bright side to this story, right? We wouldn't talk about all the bad things about separation without getting to the point where we talk about the fact that Jesus truly died to redeem everything that's lost, and that he come to restore absolutely everything. So I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to experience restoration and the fact that 2020 can still be our year too, right? So we said that one of the things that we struggle with whenever we have separation is we create those stories, right? And I think that Jesus says a few things in this passage that really could help us today figure out how to overcome that, and that's to overcome stories with vision, right? Vision's the, the word you see a good bit, but Jesus says what? He only, he only asks one question. What do he say? Do you want to be well? Is there a desired state for your life that does not yet exist? That's vision. Is there somewhere you're going that you have not arrived at yet that you're still on track for? He says, do you want to be well? Do you, is, do you have an idea of what you actually want for your life, right? And our Bible says a lot about vision. It says that when we don't have it, man, people perish, right? It's a big deal to know where you're going. But I think it's also... You're like equally good of, good of an idea, too, to know what God says about you. Because I think we can eliminate the labels that we put on ourselves, the stories that we say about ourselves when we know what the Bible says about us. Because, see, I think there's somebody in the room right now, man, you may struggle with your body image, uh, but you need to know that the Bible says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And that Jesus, he, he, he knew how he was going to make you before the foundations of the earth. And you don't have to struggle with what you see in the mirror because that is absolutely not what Jesus sees in the mirror every time he's looking at you. There's somebody in the room right now who's feeling, um, I think they're feeling less than. I think they're feeling uh, like they don't have any support. And you need to know that Jesus says that you're more than a conqueror. You don't have to buy the story that the separation has caused. Because your Bible tells you you're more than a conqueror. We don't have to rely on traditions either. And I want to tell you why we don't have to rely on traditions. When Jesus died and resurrected, the veil was torn. And that now that same spirit that raised him from the dead now lives inside of you. And what God did during certain times can happen all the time now inside of us. We don't have to wait for the water to stir. We don't have to wait for traditions anymore. We don't have to wait to get back into church to be able to worship God, right? We don't have to wait to go sit back at our desk anymore to be able to get our work done and do a great job. We don't have to have our kids in school five days a week from eight to five for them to get educated. We don't have to rely on those traditions anymore. I think the Bible has a lot to say, too, about how to overcome anxiety, you know? I uh, had a really 
interesting uh, moment this, probably about two weeks ago now, um, where I was, uh, I was on a Zoom call with one of my professors, right? And um, I'll tell you guys this, I was complaining, you know, <laughs> about a couple of things. And, uh, and I said, you know, we were having this call or whatever, and he said, uh, he said, no, you're going to be fine. And is there anything that I can pray for you about, right? So I, I told him a few things. And, um, and kind of before he prayed, I said, let me ask you a question really quick. I said, I'm really struggling right now about actually uh, praying about things that only matter to me, you know? I think we all, at times, we pray for the world and stuff like that. And I think God, he wants us to do that, right? But I struggle sometimes with, like, praying for things that I know directly affect me and my family's life. And, man, my professor, he shared something with me, and I want to share it with you guys today because I think it's going to be extremely helpful and I, God has a lot to say about how we deal with anxiety. He says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting your requests be known to God. See, in verse 6 of the passage in John we read, it said Jesus already knew that the man had been laid there forever. See, Jesus already knows what's on your heart. He knows what is bothering you from the minute you get up to the minute that you go to bed at night. One of the best ways we can overcome anxiety is just to have a relationship with Jesus. Tell him what it is that is on your heart. Man, when we had a midweek conversation over the summer with our consultant, uh, Dan Dorner of, of In Rhythm Consulting, and, and I said, hey, Dan, what is this like one thing that we could all take away from this that would help us in our lives going forward. He said, Travis, I pray every morning and I tell God what is the most pressing thing on my heart. Every morning is the most pressing thing that I have going on. And see, we don't have to be anxious and we don't have to feel like there's separation and there's a gap whenever we're telling God what the most pressing thing on our heart is. And we're saying, hey, God, listen, <laughs> this may be silly, but I'm telling you everything because you said that I could come to you with everything on my heart and that I could share that with you. One of the greatest ways that we can overcome that anxiety, too, is God wants us to have relationships with others as well, you know. And here at Radio Church, we call those life groups. You're like, oh, we know, you get paid to say that. But <laughs> no, literally, they're the greatest thing that you can do to overcome that isolation, right? Because, see, I don't think there's a lot of people that you have in your life, just like this guy in this story, who's willing to talk to you about your junk, right, the dumb things that you've done in this life, pray for you about those things, and watch you get better tomorrow, and literally help you get healed. See, the Bible says that we can pray for one another. We can pray for one another and experience life change, and that's what life groups do. There's a couple things that make them special, and, and I think it's really cool. We love encouraging each other. That's what we do in life groups, right? You may, you know, you, you rib about stuff, you laugh about stuff, but you also are there for somebody whenever they need help with something. We read scripture together, right? We, we learn about God's word, and we spend time in God's word, and we learn what he wants for our lives. We pray for one another, right? I think one of the greatest things that you can do, and, and God's teaching me this of late too, one of the greatest things that you can do is just stop what you're doing at some point in time in your life and just pray for the thing that is breaking somebody else in that moment. Because you know what? I don't know about you guys. There's some days I hope somebody's doing that for me. And that's one of the greatest things that we can do, and that's why I think that life groups are powerful, and we talk about taking next steps. A next step closer to Jesus, right? 
And maybe you've been going to church for a while and you're like, well, you know, pastor, I've already been baptized and, and yada, yada, yada. I, I don't know what I can do. I mean, there is something you can always do to grow closer to Jesus. It can be something super small or it could be a life-defining step, but there's always a way to grow closer to Jesus, and we do that by taking our next steps. And lastly, we, you know, we talked about the fact that sin is likened to separation as well. And, man, there is, this is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible that teaches us about what um, Jesus' sacrifice is able to do to deal with all the dumb, horrific things that we've ever done in our lives, right? So Jesus tells the man after he wants to be well, and Jesus provides the healing. He says what? Pick up your mat and walk. Pick up the thing that you were bound to for 38 years, and I want you to know that you're now able to carry it with you out of here. You might have been bound. You might have been bound relationally, right? Where you've, you've been in horrible relationship after horrible relationship. Could be verbal abuse. Could be physical abuse. And he says, I understand those things. But if you want to get well, I can help you pick that thing up, and I can help you walk forward with it. Man, you might be in a situation to where you're like, I haven't been the spouse I need to be. I haven't been the coworker I need to be. I haven't been the friend to somebody I need to be. Somebody did something to me such a long time ago that so scarred my life. Jesus says, now you can pick that thing up and you can walk clean out of here with it. We don't have to wait on God to move on specifics anymore. It happens all the time now if we're willing to pick up that thing and walk. Jesus says something. We didn't read it here today, but in, in John 5, 14, Jesus bumps back into the guy at church, right, at the temple. And uh, Jesus tells him one thing. He says, uh, I, thought, I think it's kind of cool. He says, he goes, go and sin no more so nothing worse happens to you, right? Jesus knows that the guy's been sick for 38 years, paralyzed. But Jesus knows that spiritual paralyzation is worse than physical. He says, you don't have to sin anymore. You've been healed. You've been set free. The thing that used to be bound by, you are no longer bound by, and that you can walk out of here with that thing. And you don't have to do anything anymore that would put you in a worse position. See, I think that he wants that same, I think he wants that same thing for us today. I, I, I truly do. And, and I hope you've you just heard something over these few minutes that has really um, challenged you that maybe you've experienced some separation in your life, right? Maybe those rhythms getting taken away, that's me, guys. Those rhythms getting taken away early in 2020, man, that really messed with me, you know? Um, I think that maybe we've heard something that we've realized that, man, we got some relationships that are not, they're on the rocks right now. And there's some separation there. We've created some stories. We've relied on some things we shouldn't have. We've been isolated. And God wants to rescue those things. He wants to redeem those things. And maybe you're somebody in the room today, you're like, man, I, I don't even know if I've ever given my heart and my life and my tomorrow to Jesus himself. And that I'm that person who's been at that pool carrying something, bound to something my whole life. And I'd give anything to be able to stand up and walk away from that thing. And man, if that's you today, I just really want to take an opportunity to pray with you.
Um, there's nothing special about the prayer. There's nothing magical about it. It is just you uh, taking a moment just to connect your heart to Jesus's and you say that, man, I'm flawed. I've got a long way to go, but I'm willing to believe that you'll help me get there and that I'll give you today and I'll give you every day I've got from here and that we'll walk this thing out together and I will allow your presence in my life to shape my life so that I could truly be like the conversation that Jesus has before this passage with Nicodemus to where I feel like I've got a new lease on life. I am born again, that I am totally different than I was the day before. I want to pray with you for that today. And I also want to take the time to pray for people to take next steps closer to Jesus, man, and close that gap and be able to feel restored. And after that, we're going to lift God up through song. But if you guys could, right where you're at, just bow your heads. I just want to pray with you today. And if there's anybody in the room that says, Pastor, I want you to pray with me because I want to make a decision for Jesus for the very first time. If you could just slip your hand up really quick and then you can put it back down. I just want to know that I can pray with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Guys, let's pray that prayer as a family today because hearts are being changed. And so if you could repeat after me, just say, God, I am flawed. Forgive me of my sins. God, rescue me from myself. I give you my life. I will trust in you for this lifetime and the next. Walk with me from now out. And my trust is in you. I want to let you guys know that we have people in the room that have made a decision for Jesus for the first time today. Could you <laughs> praise the Lord? If that's you in the room today, we've got a Bible for you. We've got team members who want to serve you. If you could stop at our Connect Center, we want to be able to serve you and congratulate you, welcome you into the family today. But before we enter into worship, I just want to take one more moment just to pray over anybody who's heard something today and they've realized that there's separation in their life, whether they've caused it, perhaps circumstance caused it, and they still want the rest of this year to be redeemed and rescued. But if you guys could just bow your heads one more time, I just want to pray over everyone in the room today. God, thank you so much for allowing us to gather as a family. We don't take that for granted anymore. God, I want to pray over everyone in the room today, God, including, including myself and my family and our staff, God. We know that We've experienced a lot of interesting things this year, but God, we know that we've caused a lot of interesting things this year. We pray that you close the gap, God, that you restore what's been separated. That, that power and authority only belongs to you. We pray you do a new thing in our lives, in our hearts. God, thank you for what you're doing in the building today. Amen. Amen. Could you guys stand to your feet as we continue to worship God today?